Section 76 of India, Persia, Mesopotamia, and Palestine. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Farnad Jahangiri. The World Story, Volume 2, India, Persia, Mesopotamia, and Palestine. Edited by Eva March Tapan. Section 76. The Persian Bazaar. 20th Century by Ustash, Dolore, and Douglas Sladen. Like the bazaars in Constantinople and Cairo, those of Tehran consist of an immense labyrinth of streets covered with brick walls, formed an uninterrupted row of little domes in the middle of each of which a round hole is pierced to let in the light. Through this hole the sun darts its rays like the flashlights of a man of war amid the half-lights of the walls which in summer keep the air so cool when you enter the great central artery which starts from the south of sabzameidan you are in the bazaar of the shoemakers on both sides of the vault are stalls from ten to fifteen feet square with a floor about three feet above the ground these are occupied by the makers of all sorts of shoes. Here are parbouche, yellow, or green for the mollas. There are the tiny red slippers with turned-up toes and metal heels which the women wear. Farther on are the ugly boots of blacking leather or patent leather with elastic sides, which are intended for those who wish to enjoy the advantages of civilization. Then come the shops where you buy the Giveh, the national shoes of Persia, made of very strong white linen with soles of plated thongs, dyed green, and the yellow top boots with the red rolled over tops and very turned up toes and thick soles, like tartar boots which are worn by the Persians in the mountains. Nothing used to amuse me more than the diversity of types we met in the bazaar. All the types and all the costumes of Central and Western Asia elbow each other here in the most extraordinary medley. The first thing I saw in the bazaars riding a mule was a venerable head in a close-rolled white turban of a thousand little folds wound round and round a pointed conical cap. He was accompanied by a numerous suite of mullahs who wore turbans too but not with the same elaborate coats, because these are reserved for the highest ranks of the priesthood of Sayyids, with dark blue turbans or green if they were Haji pilgrims, as well as descendants of the Prophet, all of them wearing long flowing robes belted in at the waist by a cashmere shawl, in which the calamden and the roll of paper appear which are the badge of men of letters. The crowd made deep bows to the Mujahid, and many of them kissed the hem of his garment. He looked at them with condescension, but with a distracted attention, for his eyes seemed to be regarding in the visionary distance the series of seven heavens promised in the Quran. The Persian is very theatrical. He always likes to look his part. If he is in general, he is bombastes. If he is a judge, he is radamantas. Then came an Armenian in low collar, with clothes which he imagined to be European. He was careful not to brush the Muslims, knowing that they would curse him if he polluted them with his impure touch. The man with flashing eyes and moustaches, like a walrus's wearing a sort of bolero made of plaited false hair and a round white cap encircled with striped silk, whose fringe 
fell over their faces were merchants from Kurdistan, their rifles slung over their right shoulders and bandoliers full of cartridges showed that even mercury could not go out without being armed in their charming country the man with a square beard with a blue and white striped clothes on his head held in its place by a crown of camel's hair cords with gold knobs was a merchant of baghdad he was positively glittering in his sky-blue above with golden stripes like sun rays and he passed by the orthodox persians cursed him for he was a sonite and his dress was like the one that the assassins of qasem wear in their religious processions of muharram the young negro who followed him was a somali slave that he was probably going to sell then came a water carrier dressed in nothing but a dirty shirt bowed down by a weight of his goat skin full of water which swayed about on his back he held in his left hand one of the legs of the skin which is the tap through which he draws the water and in his right a brass cup engraved with sentences from the quran and verses of poetry reciting the praises of the liquid that he was selling he was watering the front of the shop there were interminable files of black phantoms gliding from shop to shop bargaining noiselessly and disappearing like shadows this is all that one sees of the fair sex with the exception of a few armenian women have veiled with round caps of embroidered velvet on the tops of their heads from which fall a quantity of plates concealed in the folds of the chador which they wear like their mussulman congeners horsemen were riding about and there were strings of little gray donkeys loaded with bricks for building and interminable caravans of camels with deafening bells their heads ornamented with tufts of red green and yellow were balanced in a bored and supercilious sort of way on the top of their long swan's necks encircled with collars of red leather ornamented with little white cowries their india rubber like feet flattened out as they touched the ground with the regularity of a clock their loads hanging from each side of their humps swaying and knocking against the walls were a perpetual menace for the foot passengers suddenly there was a pandemonium two caravans coming in opposite directions had met the camel drivers shouted to make their beasts gave way to each other but in vain for the beasts were locked together as their loads caught and dashed the foot passengers into the walls the cries of fury and the oaths of camel drivers were blended with the growling of the camels the yells of the people and the howling of the dogs which were run over and the screams of the frightened women the entire traffic was suspended and it took more than a half an hour to re-establish order this incident during which the mirza and i took refuge in a shop in order not to be crushed gave me the opportunity of bargaining for a pair of exquisite little pabouche of gazelle skin embroidered with golden palms and mother-of-pearl dates one of these was still in the hands of the workman the merchant asked the ridiculous price as if the pearls had been real and to give them more value in my eyes he assured me that they belonged to one of those mysterious phantoms whom fear had driven into the corners of his shop and who he said was a khanum meaning lady of importance the mirza drew my attention to a chador of black silk fringed with gold lace in the middle of some cotton chadors who knows it might have been a princess shopping with her maids how exciting it would have been to have carried off the babouche of the trembling phantom who seated in that corner looked like a half-filled balloon in the middle of other half-filled balloons 
all sorts of ideas passed through my mind i had visions of a cinderella of the thousand and one nights or else perhaps this minion sleeper that i was holding in my hand had been used by the lady to chastise her unfaithful husband for the heel of the pabush is a favorite weapon in the harem but the mirza frowned at me and i understood that all this was the eternal persian mirage and must go the way of all mirages so i ran away laughing we passed through the bazaars of kalyans jibboks and other pipes which were crowded with pilgrims from kashgar easily recognizable by their high cheekbones and narrow eyes laying in supplies for their journey to mecca and went to the tobacco bazaar it is a very quiet place full of the fragrance of nicotine on the counters were bricks of amber colored tobacco almost as closely pressed as wood some a yard high and long and wide some still sewn up in gold skins there were also beautiful long leaves of tobacco of shiraz for the kalyans and tobacco of kashan shredded into fine flakes like curls of fair hair for making into cigarettes flint and steel are still much used but are being driven out by japanese and russian imitations of swedish matches the japanese being incomparably better there was an attempt to start a match factory in persia but it failed seeing some very beautiful sheets of tobacco for the kalyan i asked the price and was told the price which came to about two francs four crowns footnote about forty cents end of footnote the pound i ordered two pounds but you put your thumb on the skates i exclaimed seeing that the merchant was cheating he looked at me there was a pause and then he said in the most unabashed way do you imagine that i am going to give you tobacco of that fineness for four crowns the pound if i did not put my thumb in the scales i was so pleased to find the persian so persian that i could do nothing but take the tobacco and add a little backsheesh to the price he asked the bazaar into which one goes oftenest in persia is the bazaar of carpus this suggests much to the european mind which at once thinks of a vast display of rich hangings and gorgeous colors in persia one sees nothing of that kind the carpets are all piled up one over the other and when you want to buy a carpet the man of the shop pull them out one after the other in front of you and build them into fresh piles on the opposite side it is very difficult to make up your mind for you never see more than two displayed at the same time it takes a very long time for carrying in your head as well as you can the remembrance of those you like best you are always having another one pulled out and before you manage to get the three or four you really like best all shown at the same time several hours will have gone and pounds of dust coming from all parts of persia will have been swallowed however you need not regret the time expended so many precious articles will have been exhibited before you each more beautiful than the other the first carpet that struck me was one from kerman woven with extraordinary fineness its pattern represented a tree on which parrots in great profusion and every attitude ate extraordinary fruits under that tree which took up nearly all the carpets uh, were some very small gazelles a quarter of the size of the palace and round it was a very delicately drawn border the next carpet was from turkestan on a background of a venetian red 
dark blue geometrical drawings were repeated at regular intervals but this one which was made of very good material had a hideous design it was a bad copy of the early victorian carpet represented a tiger eating an apple under a rosebush then the merchant brought out a beautiful dark blue carpet decorated with narcissi tulips and hyacinths white red yellow and green of a pyraphalite pattern which came from kurdistan it was an old one they are not made anymore directly after this he showed me a carpet with regular pattern of henna flowers which was the modern representative of the same school the next of the same pattern but with very crude colors showed that in spite of the new laws forbidding aniline colors these chemical dyes are spoiling the manufacture of modern carpets happily this was the exception and it is to be hoped that the laws by which aniline dyes have recently been prohibited from entering persia will be enforced with draconian severity after many notable examples from Faragan, Khorasan, Turkestan, Khoi, and Dagestan, I was shown one very curious carpet with a white background on which was drawn with black lines an Assyrian king with wings copied from the bas-reliefs of Persepolis. His name, Nebuchadnezzar, was written under it in Roman letters. I regretted to see such good work in such fine materials, wasted on such a miracle of bad taste. It was executed in one of the best workshops of Kerman. Silk carpets are very much appreciated in Persia. They are generally of the type of prayer carpets, representing two columns, a vault, and in the middle a mosque lamp hanging down. Another usual pattern for the silk carpets is a vase of flowers with birds. The Persian weavers receive orders, especially from Cairo, for very large silk carpets. The wily Persian has discovered the secret of making new carpets look ancient. He smokes them over a fire made with special herbs, and this gives the carpet a used appearance and face the colors. It is nearly impossible, when this is well done, to distinguish between a genuine antique and a forgery. A commoner way of aging a carpet, very common in the bazaars, is to spread it out on the street, in order that every passerby an animal may trample on it. In Tabriz, an Englishman, Mr. Stevens, conceived the happy idea of starting a carpet weaving industry where only old patterns are made. He tries to revive the old traditions and has succeeded very well. I went to see his workrooms in the bazaars. They were established in a large sort of shed with mud walls and roof lighted by mere holes of windows and skylights. The weaving was done in an old-fashioned handloom, some of them eight or ten feet high. Little boys of ten to twelve were perched on planks in front of the looms. A man holding in his hand the pattern of the carpet with all the colors marked in squares like our barreling woolwork patterns sang to a popular tune the number and color of each thread, one blue, two red, one yellow, etc., which was repeated in chorus by all the little boys and accompanied by the noise of the bobbins, which go through the warped threads and the rhythmical swish with which the bows cut the thread after making the little knots. These little apprentices, dressed in a variety of colors, perched on their planks and singing at the tops of their voices, were like lovebirds sitting on a branch. Interesting as it all was, the Mirza and I were tired out before we made our escape and nearly smothered by the dust we had to swallow. End of section 76. This recording is in the public domain. Recording by Fernando Jangiri.